would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We'll read the first few verses of chapter 4 and then the last part of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. First six verses and then verses 11 through the end of the chapter. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in you all. We'll drop down to verse 11. And He gave some to be apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith in the knowledge, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by cunning, human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every joint, by every joint with which it is equipped, then when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy for, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after Christ Jesus, created after the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, 
doing honest work with his own hands that he might have that he may have something to share with anyone in need let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ gave you. I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. We'll read just the first 11 verses, but what we have here in the whole chapter, uh, actually I called it in the, um, in the bulletin a couple different titles, uh, Who is Wisdom and What is She Like? Well, the later <laughs> version of that title was The Autobiogra- Autobiography of Wisdom. So really this whole chapter is wisdom speaking, wisdom revealing herself, and of course, why is she doing this? Well, so that we will worship, so that we will uh, embrace her and follow her and, and, and yield ourselves to her. And um, as I was driving from Omaha to here this morning, I was thinking about my titles, and I thought it's almost more of a, uh, it's not so much that, it's an apologetic of wisdom. Wisdom is providing probably 50 reasons why we should listen to her, why we should humble ourselves in her sight, why we should incorporate her instructions and her directions in the way that we live. And and it's to such a degree that the alternative, and that's really where the chapter concludes, you get a peek ahead of that, the last four or five verses, says it's either wisdom's way or death. And so there's, there's just no middle ground. You know, it's this idea of lukewarmness, it's not a surprise what Jesus says in, in Revelation chapter 3. Uh, he's not looking for mediocre, half-hearted Christians. He's looking for those who would be zealous, those who would be committed and devoted, principally, primarily, uh, to Him in their lives. So let's go ahead and read these first 11 verses. It begins. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. 
and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this morning we will return and continue with our study of the book of Proverbs, at least these initial chapters. Uh, as I mentioned, this chapter is an autobiography. Uh, it's, it's all about wisdom telling us about herself. Uh, there is a, a similar passage to this in chapter 1, or a section I should say, where wisdom cries out to the simple, uh, to those that need to hear her voice. She says, if, if they would have come to me, I would have poured out my spirit upon them. And so it's not as if she's not spoken this way before, but in terms of an entire chapter focused on uh, communicating who she is and what she would have us to know, uh, there's not a chapter like it in the book of Proverbs besides this one. Uh, in, in our future weeks, not next week, but the week after, wisdom is going to talk and tell us how she was with the Lord before He made the, the heavens and the earth. He was His master craftsman. Uh, he, in other words, He was the one through whom the world was made and the creation was, was knit together. And, and there's just some wonderful, beautiful passages. Uh, but today we're going to limit ourselves to this, this introduction, to this uh, direction that uh, wisdom gives. And, and really it's answering the question, why should we listen to you? Why should we pay attention to you? Why should we change? Well, because wisdom is of the Lord. It teaches us the, the knowledge of God. Over the next few studies, we will hopefully experience a growth in our appreciation for who wisdom is. And, and of course, wisdom isn't just a, a concept. Wisdom isn't just an idea. Uh, wisdom is, in fact, the I believe the personification of the second person of the Trinity. Wisdom is what is taught by the Holy Spirit. When, when, when the Spirit inspires the Scriptures and, 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 and prophets and, or, and apostles write these things down, well, this is not j just some nice ideas. This is the very fabric of what is right and good and true. So what we will see this morning is that wisdom reveals herself and her inmost thoughts and character that we might embrace and give her, give heed to all her words. We will see in the first five verses that wisdom calls to all. In the next few verses that wisdom urges us to do what is good and right. And then thirdly, that wisdom is beyond price. We, we can't ascribe how much she's worth. We are told in that verse that She's worth more than silver and gold and rubies. But even the, the amassing of all gold and silver and rubies and diamonds and all sorts of precious things, what tips the scale? What tips toward wisdom? Because it's right and true and good. So notice the opening rhetorical question. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Well, what's the answer? Of 
corpse. The, the, the very design of wisdom, of knowledge of God, is to be made known. Uh, in fact, think of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament, the ground on which we stand and among which we live, proclaims His handiwork. Day into day utter speech. Night into night reveals knowledge. There's no place. There's no place where their voice is not. Their voice has gone out through all the earth. And, and of course, the, the, the point here is that wisdom reveals. Wisdom is, is not confined, restricted. Wisdom is, it, it shines the light for our feet. It guides us on the path in which we should go. And of course, all of this is, is, is a direct portrayal of, of the goodness of God. In fact, the very idea of glory. We say, let's give glory to God. What does that even mean? Let's give God the credit. Let's recognize uh, the, the wonder of His grace, the abundance of His goodness, uh, all that He has supplied. And so actually the word glory means heavy. It, it means weighty. It means important. And, and, and if it is weighty, heavy and important, then we should be listening to it. We should be, it, should, it should mean that to us and be that to us. Uh, ironically, and maybe I've said this to you before, because I've been preaching on Proverbs for a while here, is um, when the Hebrew word for cursing, I curse you, literally means, I think you're insignificant. I, I, I think what you say, what you do, doesn't matter to me at all. That, that's what a curse is. It's just the opposite of glory. Because if something's important, valuable, you treasure it, you keep it, you supply it, you, you apply it to yourself. If something's unimportant, then, then like short-term memory. I mean, what, what happened yesterday? What did you have for breakfast? Hmm. Always a good question. Right, because we don't remember insignificant things. And yet here it is, um, the means by which wisdom is taught. In fact, the, one of the best-known verses in the New Testament. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training. Well, what does that even mean? Well, God has revealed these things because we need to know. And when we listen and follow the instructions that He gives then it is to our advantage. Then we are in fact furthering, uh, he's furthering his purpose in our lives. And as this goes on, <laughs> we really see that wisdom meets people where they are. Verse 8, chapter 8 says, Do not, Does not wisdom cry aloud and understanding lift up her voice? Yeah. She takes her stand. Where? On the top of the high hill, beside the way, where the paths meet, the intersection, the crossroads. She cries by out at the gates of the city, at the entry, at the entrance of the doors. In other words, wisdom meets people where they are. Um, and, and so, you know, applying that, maybe we need to do some signage, do some advertising. We, we, we need to find out those that don't know and, and find a way to communicate uh, what is right and true to them. That's what wisdom does. And, and one of the amusing things here is how is 
How are the people to whom she calls described? To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. So she goes to all these places to communicate and to convey what they need to know. And the, the, the words used, the sons of men, the children of men, to you, O men, I call. And then it identifies the simple and the foolish. And, and as I was thinking about that, wisdom is really talking to everybody. Um, in fact, it, 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 it's like the equalizer. It, it, we're all the same. We're all simple and foolish outside of our knowledge of the grace of God. And, and, and so it assumes what we already know. That all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is no one righteous. No, not one. But all have turned aside. All have gone out of the way. And so wisdom places herself in a place where she will be hurt. I'm not sure it's a direct connection, but think of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Christ, when His earthly ministry went up on a mountain, had His disciples be seated and spoke to them. So there's a, a great affinity uh, to who these would be. And to whom does wisdom call? I think the, it's pretty plain. She calls to all. Men of high degree, men of low degree. Men who are wise by this world, those who are foolish. And, and interestingly, kind of assumes that all those who hear need to change. They, they, they need to... You know, the whole, the whole process of regenerating a, a soul, of, of life-giving and life-changing power of God. In fact, listen to this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, that none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, Paul says. And that's, maybe, maybe you hear that and think, well, no, that's not me. Well, but it's really the story of the Gospel. That eyes are open, that hearts are renewed, a, a new heart is, uh, is, is given. And such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Wonder of wonders. People's lives are changed. And, and, and that change, I think, is exactly why wisdom comes. Because if, if, if men would continue to go in their lost and sinful ways, what destination will they arrive at? Certainly not the gates of heaven. Right? Um, 
probably simplistic, but I remember preaching a long time ago and saying, kind of just came out of my mouth, and I thought, well, it's kind of <laughs> unarguable. The path on which you travel determines the destination you will reach. Where are you going? Well, where you're going becomes pretty obvious by the life we lead. And that's what wisdom says. Well, our second point is wisdom urges upon us what is good and right. Look at verse 6. Here, listen, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. My mouth will utter truth. All the words of my mouth are righteous. Wisdom answers the question. Why should we listen to wisdom? Because wisdom has the right answers. Wisdom supplies us with all that we need. She urges us to listen to her. Of course, listening doesn't mean just listening. It's kind of like last week when we recited those words. Wisdom, you are my sister. I mean, we should say that and think that, and, and, but more than that, we should believe that and live like that. Well, it's the same thing here. We, we should hear and listen and heed. We should really listen. You know, if, if we're convinced that biblical Christianity and the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the only path of, that leads to life, well, then we can't be ambiguous about it. We can't say, oh yeah, I like that, but I like this other, other idea too. Because Christianity is, is exclusive. It is singular. And as is the Bible. There's not one Bible among many Bibles. There's, there's one revealed word. There's one revealed truth. And of course, the world doesn't like that. Every cult, sect, and heresy doesn't like that. But we need to be true to what God says. What is it? Galatians 1, 8, and 9. If anybody comes to you preaching a different gospel than you heard from us, turn them off. No, it says let them go to hell. Let them be accursed. Anathema. That's the word for eternal perishing and suffering in hell. So the words that wisdom brings are, are words that are trustworthy and true. In fact, I will speak noble things, good things, right things. Uh, the, the New King James there says, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. What does wisdom have to say? Is there anything offensive that when we're told that there's one path that leads to life? That no one comes to the Father but through me? Is that mean? Spirit? No, that's, that, that's just, just telling us the truth that we need to know. And, and if that's the truth, then that's also what we need to believe. And, 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 and boldly so, wholeheartedly so. And of course, Scripture, or verse 6 says that, no, verse 7 says, For my mouth will utter truth. We live in a day where hardly anybody agrees with what is true. In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this Legionnaire. Um, 
every year they do a survey of people, what they believe. And it's not just Reformed, it's all, it's all these different uh, branches of Christianity. And it's actually pretty disappointing. They, they think that um, Mormonism is a Christian branch of Christianity. Oh, really? Well, they, they don't really believe the Bible. The, they, they say they believe in Jesus, but guess what? It's a different Jesus. Uh, it's not one who uh, is described as we read him described in the New Testament. And so it is that we live in an age where truth is largely unknown. Uh, the world is adrift without confidence and certainty of anything. Well, except the one absolute thing you can be pretty well in agreement with is that there is no truth. We cannot know what is right. Well, how do they know that? Isn't that knowing something? So it undermines their, their very word. Uh, I know in, in Del Tackett's The Truth Project, he makes the state that if there is no truth, all that remains is manipulation and power. Just think about that. If there's no truth, then it's just who can manipulate people and control them. And I think that's the world that many people are working for uh, even in the United States today. Uh, they, they, they don't want uh, a, a source of authority outside themselves. For us as believers who believe in God and His inspired Word, uh, we should have great confidence in every verse that we read in the Scriptures. I think it's clear that, that each of us could probably know the Scriptures and the, uh, the doctrines of the Scriptures better, uh, but when we read the Word of God, when it finds residence in our hearts and our lives and our minds, uh, it, it is there to guide us and direct us uh, in the way that we should go. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the negations that are in verses 7 and 8, for my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Verse 8, all the words of my mouth are righteous. And then concludes, there's nothing twisted or crooked in them. Wickedness is an abomination uh, in fact, we did. Uh, I, I preached a series of sermons from chapter six about the uh, the seven sins that God hates, verses sixteen through nineteen. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination. What does God hate? Well, He, he hates it when uh, men are proud instead of humble. When they use their minds to do evil instead of to do good where their feet are quick to run to evil. We have an excuse not to go to church or not to read my Bible. Phew! Didn't want to do it anyway. That's bad. And so it is that we are obliged to embrace and to hold fast that which is true. In fact, God's righteousness, the Holy Spirit's instruction, wisdom's revelations are like light in which there is no darkness. Just think about that. It, it, it's light. It's, it's white like light and true. We're told that no one can stand in the 
unmitigated presence of the Lord Jesus, or of, of Almighty God. He dwells in unapproachable light. And of course, that light is righteousness, is holiness. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Well, our third point is wisdom is exceedingly valuable. And these, these comparisons I, I touched on a little bit ago. Take instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. All the things you may desire, all the things that might attract your eyes, and you say, oh man, I wish I had that. All. All of these things cannot compare with her. What is most valuable? To have eyes that see. I know people talk about their health. You know, I'd rather have my health than the the, the bank account that I have. Well, if that's true for your physical health, it ought especially to be true for your spiritual health. That God's grace, that God's mercy, that His provisions provide and supply us with all that we need. Same point Jesus makes, Matthew chapter 10, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to forfeit his soul? I think it's clear that we're being challenged in these verses to have our priorities straight. To make wisdom and living a life that's blameless and holy before Almighty God a greater priority than the accumulation of wealth. Wisdom is better than rubies, than all precious metals and stones. And of course, what is wisdom teaching us? that there are some things worth more than others. And if it's true that our lives, our hand breath, in the, the history of the world, then we ought to live that way too. We ought to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Only God's wisdom is good, right, and true. The world says no. There is no truth. In fact, we all get to decide what's true. What's true for me might not be true for you. Or, or think of the LBGTN movement. Love is love. We can do what we want just so we are fulfilled in ourselves. Is that, is that the measure? Even God wants you to be happy. Is that the teaching of the Bible? No, God wants you to know the truth. God wants you to give Him the glory. God wants you to recognize yourself as His servant. Just think of what Jesus says on the last day. Well done, good and faithful servant. What's the right answer? We have but done what was our duty to do. There's a problem in our world. It's that people think way too much of themselves. They esteem themselves. Think of the... Uh, all the, the selfies and the TikTok videos that really are just, hey, look at who I am. I'm not. <laughs> uh, 
And so the, the role of these first 11 verses, it, it, it's beginning to lay the groundwork for why wisdom and her ways are compelling. They are life impacting. God Himself comes to us through the Word and tells us what is right and true. God Himself. That's what we believe in the preaching of the Holy Gospel. Uh, Think of the second commandment one in the Catechism. Will not God use pictures as books for the laity? And and the answer comes that we should not be wiser than God who wants His people taught by the lively preaching of the Word of God. Why? Because that's the means that He has appointed to mold us and shape us by the truth, to prepare us for the troubles and the trials that will come our way. Will we listen? Are we listening? What might it take to convince us to impact the way that we think, the way that we act, Well, as we continue our study of Proverbs chapter 8 in the weeks to come, we're going to get additional reasons why we should pursue wisdom. And as we pursue wisdom, it's not with a half-heartedness. It's not, oh, on uh, one Sunday a month, yeah, that's when I'll think about wisdom. It, It becomes the goal and the desire of our lives that we might know Him, love Him, and serve Him. Let the Lord be pleased to encourage and to bless each of our hearts and lives by His Word. Amen. Father in Heaven, we are grateful to You for every provision. We thank You that You have put us where we are in this life, that You have called us out of darkness into the the glorious light and liberty of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. O Lord, give us hearts that hold fast the things that are right and true. Uh, Let us, uh, as we read in Ephesians 4, let us not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but instead to be rooted and grounded on the Lord Jesus Christ. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.